is Bad Boys and Beyond with your hosts, Mike Payton and Keith Black Trudeau. The game's over and the Pistons have won the world championship. Everybody get up, it's time to slam now. We got the real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam. Here's your chance, do your dance at the Space Jam. All right. Welcome to Bad Boys and Beyond at the Movies. We are covering oh, another so one. What? I said the balcony is open. The balcony is open. We're gonna we're gonna be like the two old guys from the Muppets, and hey, this movie's pretty bad. Uh, although that's mostly just gonna be Keith's opinion because I love this movie. I'm so excited to be doing Space Jam. Obviously, uh, I'm Mike Payton, Keith Black Trudeau, your host of this show. You know us. We're talking Space Jam today, and this is a very exciting moment for me because I have been watching this movie my entire life and love it. And Keith saw it for the first time yesterday. Uh, yes. And I, so Keith, <clears throat> let's just let's just jump right into it. Non-spoiler review, short review. Give me like a your your thumbs up, thumbs down. How many stars out of five? What are we thinking? I would give it a solid three out of five. And that's I, pretty I, good. I think, yeah, yeah. It, look, I'm not going to slam the movie. One, it's a kids. It's obviously a kids movie <laughs> to begin with. It's a commercial vehicle for both um, Warner Brothers and Michael Jordan. Uh, trying to look, if that movie exact movie came out today, I would probably have a lower opinion of it. Uh, just because there's so many dated uh, things that happen in that movie, but trying to look at it in the prism of a movie that came out in 1996, which, as we're recording this, is is 27 years ago. My God, I feel old. Yeah. Uh, I I think some of the things uh, in that movie call, uh, fall flat. Uh, I think some of the jokes are are kind of lame and cliche. But on the other hand, uh, there's some plot points in that movie that surprise me with how much sense they make. Uh, and I'm actually kind of impressed that Michael Jordan would allow himself to, you know, look like an idiot <laughs> at certain points in the movie. And Michael Jordan, you know, everybody who knows Michael Jordan or who's heard of Michael Jordan knows he has an enormous ego. And just the, the fact that, you know, he, he's actually having a little bit of fun with this, I, I thought was, uh, I, th I thought it was pretty neat. Well, when I was a kid, I, this is a solid five out of five for me. This is one of those movies that I don't know. I, I don't have kids. And Keith, I, I'm pretty sure you don't either. Uh, but you probably have nephews, nieces. You're aware of this weird oh, yeah. phenomenon where children watch the same movie over and over and over and over and over again. Like there was a time I would go to my niece's house and Frozen would be on every day, every day. I mean, how many times can you watch Frozen? I don't know. But that's what I did when I was a kid. I watched Space Jam all the time. Uh, now I think it's a solid 4.9 out of 5. So I haven't really dropped my grade very much because I just, I love this movie, man. I, it's funny to me. I Like everything, I just, I love it. I love it. Let's jump right into it. Let's get into it. 
I want to start. Uh, how many movies have a cold open? Not a whole lot, right? Kind of right. weird. I was waiting for any moment where Michael Jordan's dad was going to say, live from New York, it's Saturday night. <laughs> but yeah, um, in, in this, in the very beginning of this movie, before even the opening uh, uh, credits, I, th- this might have been one of the things that I had the most, uh, or at least the uh, the biggest problem with uh, the uh the, the, the movie starts out like the cold open, like you said, where it's, you know, a child, Michael Jordan in the late 1960s or early seven, I forget, uh, shooting hoops outside, talking to his dad, telling him, you know, he's going to become, he's going to go to North Carolina. He's going to go play in the NBA and he's going to retire and he's going to play baseball like his dad. And I think it's kind of weird and a little bit creepy that they used, uh, the death of, uh, James Jordan as they, uh, plot point <laughs> because he was murdered but that I mean look it, that that's how it actually went uh, Michael Jordan went on to do all those things and then following the uh, the death of his father uh, retires uh, briefly uh, after the 1993 mm-hmm. championship goes on plays for the Birmingham Barons uh, in the minor leagues and then a year and a half later comes back uh, and unretires and continues his uh, legendary career. I uh to me the weirdest thing about this and and this is just a thing that they do for movies, you know, and I shouldn't even be like that like weirded out by it or upset about. It. I'm not upset, but like the idea that Michael Jordan as a child was telling his dad that I'm going to play for North Carolina and I'm going to go to the NBA and I'm going to do all this stuff, and then I'm going to retire and play baseball. Uh, like he just he just had it all planned out. Like I just I just don't believe that. I mean, I... at the at the very least, he's he didn't mention. Oh, and when you when you were murdered, uh, I'm going to retire and play baseball, <laughs> yeah. just like you. You will not be alive to see it, but I'm I'm going to play baseball. I mean, at least they didn't throw that bit of reality in there. But still, it was kind of like, do you really wanted to make this in part of the movie? Okay, Did, didn't Michael Jordan grow up in like Virginia or something? North, North, no, he grew up in uh, North Carolina. Okay, so he did grow up in North. Okay, well, that, I guess that would explain why he would he would have the desire to automatically play for yeah. North Carolina. Okay. Yeah, that 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 yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> no visit to Jim Velvano though, huh? Okay, uh, that's North Carolina State could have been a powerhouse. Um, uh, when did Jimmy V start coaching? I don't Carolina? know. Let me look that up. I, yeah, you actually made me think. Was he could he have been recruited by Jim Valvano? I would think so. I thought Velvano was coaching there in the seventies, but uh, nineteen no nineteen eighty. Yes, so yeah, so yeah, yeah. He would have just been starting out there, but yeah, he he definitely probably recruited Michael Jordan, or at least knew of him at the time. Right. That's that's interesting. That would have been a a fun pairing. Well, uh, he also didn't. Yeah, speaking of that, because Michael Jordan wasn't. Not to turn this into a, a Michael Jordan's backstory uh, episode, but uh, Michael Jordan was not an All-American. It, like, he didn't make the McDonald's All-American game. Uh, I, I think um, Austin Day's father, uh, Darren Day, actually went to the game. He, he took, like, the last spot uh, instead of Michael Jordan. 
Uh, Michael Jordan, uh, famously or, or infamously, however you want to look at it, was was cut from his high school team or his varsity team as a as a freshman, which is not look it, to the rest of us uh, normal people. We're like insulted that he was insulted that he was cut from his varsity team as a freshman. Uh, but yeah, he he turned that in. That was like Michael Jordan's original. Um, I and I took this personally meme. So yeah. <laughs> that's another thing. Yeah, they had said that in the opening crawl, and I'm going to get cut as a freshman, as a, pre- a high school freshman, and then at my Hall of Fame speech, I'm going to call out my coach. I'm going to get him. And then there's going to be this kid named Byron Russell who doesn't who plays for a team that doesn't even exist right now, and I'm going to just I'm going to berate him at the biggest moment of my career, going into the Hall of Fame. I'm going to embarrass this kid. Um, poor, poor, Brian, poor Brian Russell. Brian Russell. Yep. Uh, okay, well, you know, so after that, uh, we go into what I feel is the best opening credit scene in the world. If you're a basketball historian like like me, which you obviously are, an even bigger basketball historian than me, like, it's awesome to watch this video, I think. It's a bunch of sweet highlights and pictures and all these things from high school on to the pros, Team USA, uh, Everything the, the 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 early team USA the dream team like all that stuff it's it it's the it's the highlights uh, of the three championships and I love it I love that opening credit scene. Yes, for for the uh, two or three people uh, in the audience total in in America in nineteen ninety six that went to see this movie and did not know who Michael Jordan was, the movie does a pretty good uh, job of setting up that Michael Jordan yes was a pretty good basketball player. Turns out this guy has some skills on the basketball court. I don't know if you guys knew that, but he could play <laughs> basketball. Um, I I have always so right after the open credits, they go to you know uh, a familiar scene that we're all, you know, we've all seen before. Michael Jordan actually retiring from the game of basketball. I personally like that they that they weaved this part of the story, you know, Michael Jordan's actual true life into this Space Jam story. It was almost as if he didn't retire to play baseball. He retired to go help the Looney Tunes uh, play this basketball game. And I, I don't know. It, it, it just makes it makes sense to to this movie could have just as easily ignored the whole baseball thing and the retirement thing and all that. And just, hey, Michael, you just got done with the 1993 NBA finals. Can you come help us with this? It, it could have easily done that, but it took the much harder road of uh, going through all the baseball stuff. Well, I think they actually did a very, very good job at weaving that into the script. Like the, Michael Jordan, like as I said in the beginning, Michael Jordan's retirement to play baseball is actually a plot point in this movie. Yeah. Which there are, yeah, there are a couple of things in this movie that actually, if you just tell some of the synopsis, it sounds ridiculous. But if you look, watch the movie, they they actually make it make sense. They put effort into writing the script, at least a little bit of effort. Which which is kind of shocking to me. Well, there's, um, you know, I do you think there's some deleted scenes uh, of like you know David Stern saying, "Hey, you did this gambling stuff, and I need you to come up with a, a retirement." I, I don't think we need to go there. Nope. We, don't, we don't need to we talk about that. Oh, that. we don't need to go that dark because it's stupid. Yes, because it's the dumbest thing ever constructed in the human mind. Yes. Um, <laughs> I was trying to be diplomatic, but you know, yeah, you're you're thinking the same thing I am. Yes. Uh, so then we're we're actually going to flash, uh, 
you know, we're gonna meet we're gonna meet the Moron Mountain characters, which look, I don't even I they're not important to me. This movie is about Michael Jordan and the Looney Tunes. Uh but we could certainly we could certainly a better name than Moron Mountain though for the the land of these bad guys. Yes, they you you could tell that they this was a bit hastily hastily written, maybe. I, know, um, I like that they cast Danny DeVito as is like the big bad. Yeah, which you know, ironically, casting you know a, a four foot eleven guy as is the big bad in a, <laughs> in a movie about you know monsters basketball players. The, the I don't know if that was intentional or not, but that was kind of meta. The king of the four foot eleven guys. I, I don't know how tall is Danny DeVito really. I just uh, he's got to be in the four. Yeah, I think he's definitely in the four foot area. Um. You know, oh, and, geez, uh, four foot ten. I was one inch off. Wow. Well, I can walk out now. Hey, there you that, go. that was the most impressive thing I'll say today. Leave on a high note. Um, you know, then from there, the next thing they're going to go into is uh, we're going to we're actually going to get to the baseball field, and I come on, the Barons had to be sucking up to Michael Jordan like this. He was their meal ticket. Did you know who the Birmingham Barons were before this? I certainly did. No, but I'm not a baseball fan. No, uh, neither neither am I. But I would imagine that the ticket sales tripled, quadrupled. Like, oh, I'm, I'm sure they had ESPN coverage and like, uh, you know, everybody was coming to these games. So it made sense to me that players on the bench were like, "Hey, you know, when you strike out, it, it looks really yeah. good, but when I strike out, uh, you know, it looks it looks horrible." I, look, I, I can imagine there could be some a little bit of resentment too, because this is a guy that didn't work uh, hard to become a professional baseball player his entire life. He was doing, he was in a completely different uh, field, at least in the sports uh, realm. Right. So for him to, and, and there was a whole documentary on this, Jordan called "Jordan Rides the Bus." It was one of the very original thirty for thirties. It's very a pretty good. good like, you know, in it, uh, Jordan actually, yes, it was a spectacle, but Jordan didn't go out, out there to make himself, uh, like, I, I think he paid a fair amount of respect to, to the fact that these guys had been doing this for their whole lives, and he was, you know, very privileged to be in that situation that he didn't work to be, work hard to, to be in like they did. So I, I thought that, um, yeah, they, they, there was probably a lot of awe, you know, from everybody, because he's this massive celebrity maybe the most recognizable athlete in the world in 1996 or 95 or whenever this movie was, was made. But um, uh, to, to his credit, I, I think Jordan did have a, a, I think he was respectful in, in how he went about his job. He didn't try to make everything about him, even though everyone else around him seemed to. Um, one, one quick note. Uh, I thought there was a tremendous missed opportunity here. Uh, the, the manager uh, for the, uh, Birmingham Barons is kind of like a stooge. I mean, people forget uh, the manager of the Birmingham Barons at that time in 94 was none other than Terry Francona. World who, Series winning manager. Who be, <laughs> yeah, who would, would go on in the next decade to become uh, the manager of the Boston Red Sox uh, that went to the World Series and, and broke the, the the curse of the Bambino and won their first World Series title in, you know, 100 years and he wound up winning two there. And even I know who, again, I'm not a huge baseball guy, but even I know who Terry Francona is. So I, I thought that would, it was a tremendous missed opportunity to, to have him take part in the movie because the manager only had a few lines. I don't think he would have cared uh, that much. I think he would have 
been flattered to be in the movie. Uh, there's one line that there's there's actually several lines from this movie that you know friends of mine and and even stuff that I use in, in my sports writing uh, career today. Um, but the, this line in in this game where you know it's bad, they're like, "Oh, his batting's bad, his stance is bad." Looks great in that uniform, though. Can't teach that. And, yeah. And I have taken that line with me, especially when writing about the Lions, where you know it's like, "Oh, they, you know, they they only won three games this year, but damn it, those uniforms look good." You can't teach that. Uh, I, I I absolutely love that line. Um, you know, before we move on to the next thing, did you? I, I, you're not a baseball guy, neither am I. Like, I'll go to a baseball game if I yeah. get invited. I won't watch it on TV unless it's the Tigers are in the World Series or something. But did you yeah. have any any interest in baseball around this time? Because you know, I my big thing was like I needed to get a Michael Jordan baseball rookie card. Like that was my biggest thing about this. All right, as a youth, um, I. All right. For, first of all, I, I grew up kind of playing video games. Not that I was a someone a kid that hated sport, but like the first thing I had from like the age of four or five was like an NES. So my mother tried to do her best to find a sport for me because I didn't have much interest in finding one for myself. Uh, so uh, for, first, she tried putting me in in you know AYSO youth soccer, and I, I that was one of the most you know, even today, I, it's hard for me to watch a, a soccer event because I just have flashbacks of how much I hated it. Uh, but the, the second thing that she tried was uh, baseball, like t for you know t ball and then pitching machine, and then I think I got up to like live pitching for a year. Could not stand that either. Uh, I mean, shortly at actually, I think I had already started uh, following basketball at that time. I just don't know if she noticed it or not, uh, but. Here, long story short, uh, both soccer and baseball are the two sports that I cannot watch. Uh, I, I do I, look every uh, Tiger season. I, I watch until they lose a game. That's always my tradition. I'll watch Opening Day, and if they win that game, I'll try to watch the next one, and then the next one. And it, look, it's baseball. Nobody ever goes on a winning streak. It, even yeah. if you're, like the best teams don't go on a winning streak of more than like four or five games. So I, my interest in baseball or in the Tigers never lasts that long. Uh, but that's I, I do it to keep myself informed, basically. But, yeah, I when it comes to baseball cards, like you mentioned, um, never, ever. And I know Jordan's uh, – shoot, Jordan had a baseball card uh, as in the Upper Deck Basketball Series, I believe, right? Uh, I think they did include one. I, I, yeah. I have one in the uh, in the uh, the Upper Deck, from, but it was from a baseball series. Yeah, that that's as closest I ever got to owning a, a baseball trading card. Just yeah, I don't. I I have one ninety nine point eight percent of my cards are basketball. I I I used to collect some hockey, some football, but that was mostly like from aunts and uncles who bought me cards, not realizing that like, hey, basketball was my sport, and that's the only thing I wanted. But <laughs> but hey, you know, um, free free cards, and I'll take them, and I thank them. Uh, but yes, okay. So after that, so during that game, we're going to meet Stan Podolak, who is played by Wayne Knight from uh, Seinfeld fame or Jurassic Park fame. Newman. Newman. Yep. Hello, yeah. Jerry. Uh, so he is going to be the publicist for the, uh, the 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 Birmingham Barons, and his job is to basically stay attached to the hip of Michael Jordan. Uh, 
And this is where now we we talked a little bit about how it was surprising that Michael was willing to be um, humbled or embarrassed. But I think he takes it a little bit too far in this next thing where they pull up to Michael Jordan's house. Creepy. And and it's but it's some suburban house that's a five hundred thousand dollar house in the middle of a Chicago neighborhood. We're talking about the richest pro athlete in the world at this at this point uh, uh um you know his contract numbers his 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 uh Gatorade Nike McDonald's he, the guy has so many so many uh I I'm struggling to find the word here but uh endorsements he has so much endorsement money you're going to tell me that Michael Jordan lives in this house in this neighborhood I've seen Michael yeah, Jordan's like, real house it is like a four block radius it's gigantic yeah, like they, they couldn't have used the house from Home Alone. I mean, it's <laughs> the same area. Like the, yeah. the McAllister, the McAllisters are looking down on Michael Jordan in this movie. <laughs> His house is like worth half as much as theirs. Yeah, Jordan's trying to keep up with the McAllisters. Um, but yeah, so then you meet you meet the kids who are not his kids. You meet his wife who is not his wife. And I'm shit, at this point, I don't I didn't even believe he had a dog. Uh, but. And his mom lives there. And, you know, so this is we're not acknowledging that that dad has passed, but like you get it right. Everybody understands what's happening. No, no, they, they in the very beginning, they they he acknowledges that his, his father passed away. Remember? OK, well, all right. Yeah, they, that's they, they do. They, they show you the clip of his uh, his retirement in 1993. Yeah, yeah I. Uh, I just I, I, I always I always thought that was interesting. They got uh, you got Jim Rome on the television. And yes. he's, uh, you know, doing his my notes. Right, yeah. regular Jim Rome stuff. Phenomenal. This game was bad, bro. Uh, you know, the way that Jim Rome talks. <laughs> they switch over to Looney Tunes. Back, back when back when Jim Rome was popular. Back when Jim Rome was popular. Uh, I actually watched a Jim Rome video yesterday uh, of him interviewing Lions safety Kirby Joseph. That's probably uh, the was- first, first Jim Rome thing I've watched in uh, forever. What what is Jim Rome doing these days? I'm gonna be perfectly honest. I have no idea. I'm pretty does still do does he still do radio? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he hosts a radio show, not on ESPN, but on the like the Fox affiliate radio stations. So, okay, so he still has that going for him? Yeah. So the other station that you know um most people listen to the ESPN station. I at least I do. I don't know what everybody listens to, but um, but yeah. Uh and, you know, he still talks exactly the same and looks pretty similar um i'm sure he he still would not want to re-interview chris everett anytime soon um you mean jim everett jim everett i'm sorry oh oh oh, i messed up (laughs) he's gonna come after you he's gonna he's gonna flip a table over and come after me now um so there's an interesting part in this scene where i like the idea that the looney tunes cartoons that you're watching is just a living it's a living world like you're, you're watching live what's happening in that world porky comes up and says hey we gotta we gotta go to this meeting we got you know and then everybody just stops and they leave the scene and it's just empty and the kids are like hey where'd everybody go i i i i enjoy that uh when movies do that kind of thing yeah it was um i was trying to wrap my head around like what the dynamic was here like are these just is it like Foo Frank Roger Abbott where these two worlds exist at the same time and they're just like separated or like the Looney Tunes take place in another dimension? 
Well, like, the, it, 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 it seems like that's what was, was the case, but yeah, if so, like the bad guys coming from outer space was completely unnecessary. Like the bad right. guys could have come from anywhere. Why? Right. I, I don't understand. Like unless Marvin, I thought Marvin the Martian would be involved. I I, I, I thought maybe he would be like the, the focal point in this movie because that's everybody's favorite uh, com, uh, animated uh, alien from 1996. But he really wasn't. He was just like the referee, right? Yeah, he was the so, official for the game. Yeah, yeah. So, I my my theory is the only reason that these the bad guys come from another planet is so they could call this movie Space Jam. <laughs> There's yeah. no other reason. There's no other reason. Other no, than that's the that's it. The interesting thing is that Warner Brothers um, in the Looney Tune world is is just underground, and uh, all you got to do is dig a hole and, and you'll find it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, we we get to the the monsters show up in in Looney Tune world, and they're you know they they kidnap Bugs, and uh, they they get to this meeting where uh, I don't know why, but this is and I have it on my on my notes right here. Uh, the film they use to explain basketball has Keith written all over it. <laughs> yeah. Fun fundamentals with so an exclamation point. <laughs> you you quite literally have the NBA license for this movie, obviously. So yes. why are you using for a tutorial? Like, here's the backstory: these these uh, aliens uh, from another world they run an, an amusement park on another planet, and their boss is upset because no one wants to visit it because their attractions are all lame. So he says, "I want the I thought it was going to be like I want the NBA players or I want basketball. No, it's the I want the Looney Tunes, which makes sense, uh, but." When the, you know when they capture Bugs Bunny, obviously, because he's the the star Looney Tune of uh, Earth, and he tries to get out of it. Uh, well, they capture him, and then they say they want to capture all of the Looney Tunes to use as an attraction, and they they make a bet or a wager with these aliens because again, and this makes perfect sense. Uh, I, I credit the script writers at least. Uh, all of these five, there's five little aliens, and again, they're they're little, they're short, they don't move very quickly, so they come up with this idea. Well, let's challenge them to a basketball game because these guys should be worse at that than anything else. Right. Uh, so yeah, and that's the, the the plot point, which again, in my notes, it actually makes sense. I I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like this plot is actually something written by a professional. Uh, but you know, then, then the the which we're gonna get to now is is the the setup for the movie is these these five aliens uh, watch this uh, tutorial on to explain to them what basketball is, and it's from like 1952 <laughs> or something. I don't even know where this video came from. Yeah, uh, but it's this generic uh, like intro like very first introduction to basketball. Like the lane is like the the eight foot lane that they had when they in <laughs> like Hoosiers. And like why wouldn't they use the NBA license for that? Like I, I don't understand. Like they make basketball I mean, I guess it's for last, but they make basketball look so lame. They could have easily used an NBA highlight video and it would have been a little bit more exciting and it would have uh it would have explained a little bit better why these aliens come to earth and they, they look to take the talent from NBA players because they would have known what to look for. Right. Uh, and, yeah. So they, they come to earth and 
they basically zapped the talent away from five different NBA players, and we'll get to their selections in a minute. Yes. Oh, we're uh, we're gonna but, we're gonna do some serious talk on on that whole on everything on everything yeah, so, relating to that. Okay. Uh, yes. Go ahead. Or, but I I do think that it is funny that in that in that basketball tutorial they call it a razzle dazzle game. <laughs> oh man. It is just pure fundamentals. The chest pass, uh, the bounce pass, you know, uh, feed the man on the inside. And, and it's just your classic 1940s gymnasium class yeah. basketball. Like it's, uh, I just, I just loved it. I, I don't know. I just, I was watching and I'm like, oh, Keith is probably rolling his eyes right now. So hard at this. Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> just because the, it was a very poor use of a tutorial. I didn't think it was as funny as maybe the, they thought it would be. And they, they, that I think was a moment that they could have used to show some excitement for the NBA game. And I think the NBA would have been more than happy to provide them with like the great, the perfect highlight reel. And it was a missed opportunity, I think. All right. Well, let's head on over to uh, Madison square garden, shall we? Or, or, or maybe because they couldn't find any highlights of Sean Bradley and just scrapped the idea. I don't know. Oh, uh, yes, Madison Square Garden. We there's a Shaw Bradley thing coming up that I really think is the funniest thing, one of the funniest parts of this movie. Uh, but it's it's Knicks versus uh Phoenix Suns. Yeah, uh, we meet uh Dan Castellaneta, who is uh the voice of Homer Simpson. Actually, he's um one of the fans in, in the uh, the crowd, he's there with his wife. There, the monsters have dressed up in a raincoat, they're all piled in there, and there's some real sexual innuendo here, Keith, where the lady's like, yeah. this guy next to me is doing something weird in his rain jacket. And then all of a sudden they come out in liquid form out of the bottom of the rain jacket. What are we doing, Water Brothers? Come on. This yeah, movie is supposed couple, to be for kids. <laughs> well, yeah, but in every kid, in every, you know, major mo- uh, motion picture release aimed at kids, is they always try to throw in a few jokes in there for the adults. At least the good movies do. Yeah. Um, this was there was a yeah there was quite a few um like weird innuendo jokes in this movie that were like okay you didn't need to go quite that far but my only notes here were the monsters are looking for the the best players on earth and yet they go to Madison Square Garden. Hey oh, Patrick I... Ewing, come on, Patrick Ewing, Charles Barkley, Barkley's coming off a league MVP here. But yeah, that was the that was the best part. Like the first thing they do was look at the other team. Oh yeah. Oh, that's that is yeah. I didn't think about that. Um, but so yeah, they they go and they steal the talent from Charles Barkley. Um, you get some uh, Danny Ainge stuff in here. Um, Barkley's uh, out there just waving his hands around, trying to get the ball. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like once they once they steal the talent from a player, it's not that the player just can't play basketball anymore. Like they can't even function anymore. Right. In the prism of 1996. I, I understand that was funny. If you made that today, there would be outrage. Oh yeah, I can like, see that. To, yeah, to, for for everything that we know about um, neurological issues and how they affect uh, pro athletes and the seriousness um, that it can cause, uh, just it, a professional athlete, you know, performing. Uh, if on live TV, suddenly waving their hands in the air and and looking like they don't know who they are or what or where they're doing, uh, what they're supposed to be doing, 
uh, like Larry Johnson tries to, you know, feed, uh, he, he tries to squirt some water in his mouth with a water bottle and misses his own face by like three feet. Well, you need talent <laughs> to do that, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure was funny, but today it's like, I, like, I was like, my hands are over my mouth. I'm like, oh my God. No, I, I, I totally get that. Um, but the scene on Sports Center where Sean Bradley forgot how to walk. I'm laughing my tits yeah. up. Like, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm laughing. I get you what you're saying, but that was the funniest yeah. thing in the world. He, Sean Bradley couldn't figure out how to use his lanky body uh, because, you know, a lot of the – and uh, look, if we're going to be uh, totally real about it, a lot of these super tall people, they don't all turn out to be world-class athletes. They There's some struggles uh, where, you, you know, you have to figure out how to use this long body, and that includes – just walking around, but I, I just thought Sean Bradley played it so well. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess they couldn't show him like missing shots because then it would be okay. So Sean Bradley's being Sean oh, Bradley. Yeah, Sean Bradley's just being Sean Bradley out there, right? Like they had to show him doing something <laughs> so out of care. Like they had to resort to him not like forgetting how to walk to show that. Oh my God, Sean, there's something wrong with Sean Bradley here. So we we. uh you know, so we meet Charles Barkley, we meet uh, Muggsy Bogues, Patrick Ewing, Sean Bradley, um, and then we uh, uh, and Larry Johnson. Sorry, and then we um, and then we. This is where things get weird. From from watching it with COVID eyes, we head out to the forum. Yes, and, and yeah, did... my only quote here was, "What are the Lakers scared of?" Yes, nobody what? wants nobody wants talent from any of those guys. It's oh, 1995. Yeah. There's no goalie yeah. or here. <laughs> the monsters are like, we got to get Cedric Sabalas' tap. <laughs> like maybe, like maybe if they're filling out their bench, they might come after Vladi Divac. We but... got to get Anthony Peeler's talent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it it is weird how you know they're refusing to play. Uh, yeah. they, they think there's some sort of virus going around. They put on the gas masks. Later on, you're seeing the the forum actually getting tarped off. Like you're gonna fumigate it. Yeah, that was very that that made it very real. Yeah, that was wow. This this movie kind of predicted the future a little bit. And and they don't have David Stern, obviously, but they have a guy playing the commissioner who says the basketball is going to be shut down for the rest of the year. Um, but I'm wondering if you know, is was there maybe a Space Jam bubble? Did they, is this the yeah. bubble before the bubble? Yeah, like basketball, like when the movie came out, there had never been a, a, a work stoppage uh, in the NBA, never. And the NBA was coming upon its 50th anniversary. And following this movie, we've had three. We've had uh, the 98-99 the lockout, which happened just a few years after this movie. And then we had the 2012 lockout or 2011-12 lockout, and then we had the, obviously, the COVID uh, stoppage of 2020. Yeah, that was just, yeah, that was pretty crazy um, that they included that in this. But I, uh, real quick, um, you mentioned the uh, the Monsters are terrible at scouting. Uh, they have the entirety of the NBA 94-95, minus Michael Jordan, of course, to... Right to siphon talent from and they, they chose uh patrick ewing charles barkley larry johnson uh sean bradley and muggsy bogues uh that is two centers uh 
two power forwards and a five three point guard. Yep. <laughs> Only one of these men made the All NBA team in ninety four ninety five, and that was Charles. Bar- like, I'm 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 kind of thinking that the the Looney Tunes didn't really need to recruit Michael Jordan to beat these guys. They just needed to recruit, you know, like go to Utah, pick up John Stockton and Carl Malone. I, I don't. <laughs> The game would take out very Space different. Space Jam is a whole nother movie with yeah. Carl like, John Stock. Like, you know, like if I were to put together a team of of NBA players, uh, there first of all, there is no outside shooting on this team whatsoever. You, I think, I'm thinking you can kind of zone the monsters off and force them to shoot three pointers, and I think you're pretty in pretty good shape. Yeah, <laughs> but but even so, I'm thinking I can come up with at least you know eight or nine different teams of different players that they could have. <laughs> that the Looney Tunes could have tried to pull together that probably would have beat. Yeah, I, I would, I would maybe, I would maybe go. Out to- my, my only other note is, what, what, when they, when these little aliens, you know, take the talent uh, from these players and they, they become the monsters, which is what they call them, the, uh, what they call themselves. Um, my only note is like Muggsy Bogues, who was five foot three, the smallest NBA player ever. Why did? I thought it was kind of lame that they, that one of them just like didn't grow. <laughs> like, why, why would stealing Muggsy Bogues talent make you taller or or stronger? Like, it would have been so hilarious if four of them grew to like this monstrous size because they th- they they stole talent from four very large human beings right. and one very small one. So it would have been great if one of them like got good at basketball but just didn't grow any. I, maybe that was like part of it, and they just decided no, that that would have been mean to Bugsy. I thought that would have been a great. I thought that would have been great for the movie, though. Well, here's the fun thing: I've got two exercises for us to do in this in this podcast today. The first one is going to be let's build our own Monstars team. We we need five guys from 1995. Um, let's uh, you know, let well, let's let's I guess be somewhat hasty about it. Um. I'm going to go ahead and start it off. Reggie Miller needs to be on this basketball team. I'm stealing Reggie Miller's talent for the Monstars. I mean, you could have one of the Monstars being tall, but like really, really skinny. That would have been great. Yeah, but he's an outside shooter, talks a lot yeah. of trash. Like, Yeah, I think it would have been so cool to have the Monstars actually kind of take some physical features away from these players because that's part of the cool thing about the NBA game is – you know, these players aren't in helmets and or in pads. Like you they they can actually show them their, their own personality, like who they look what they look like. Um so but instead of just you know five generic like look football looking guys. Uh but oh all right, so are, are we going back and forth? Or are you going to your team and I'm going to uh, my team? So, so you go you go next. I I selected our shooting guard, so you you pick from the next uh, four positions. Okay, so I mean, my my choices here uh, at point guard are kind of like Mark Price or John or John Stockton or Penny Hardaway. I think Penny Hardaway obviously would have been perfect for this film. Yeah, uh, you know, big guy, athletic, uh, far more popular. He's probably the most popular point guard. Wait, you know what? When did they film this? Ninety was it ninety four? Like summer of ninety four? In ninety five, and it came out in ninety six. So okay. Mike, Michael so, Michael was obviously just returning to the NBA as they were. So wait, so I thought they were filmed this before he returned to the NBA. Um, I I think this was the, I my understanding has always been that this was like during like right after they got done filming. This is when Michael and BJ Armstrong started hanging out and they start going. Okay, so now back okay, to practice. So, 
So yeah, I'm I'm, just, I'm only asking because I'm trying to pinpoint when Penny Hardaway turned into like a mega star. But yeah, I, either way, Penny Hardaway was a very popular player, really from the first time he stepped onto the court as a rookie. So yeah, I think Penny Hardaway's a a no brainer here for one of the spots with alongside Reggie Miller. Okay, I'm I'm gonna stick with Barkley because you know obviously he's coming off an MVP yeah. season. The, the and, only player that fits that, that fits here, in my opinion. Go ahead. And he's personality for days. I mean, these characters got to have some personality. Uh, and I think we've got that with Reggie and Parkley already. And Penny, you know, had some personality there, too. Uh, at least little Penny did. So, uh, yeah. so small forward and center. Uh, small forward. And, and look, the obvious choice here, the best small forward in the NBA in it during that time period was Michael's own teammate, Scotty Pippen which could have created so many plot lines in itself. That would have been funny to see Michael Jordan, you know, torch Scottie Pippen, you know, like he always wanted to do in real life, but, yeah. but never had the opportunity. Um, that is an interesting call. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think and he could have added to the, you know, like he's saving his former teammate. Like that would have been a, a cool, interesting plot point. Um, I, I think the only other, um, possibility here is maybe Sean Kemp but again you're, you're playing into the you know two power forwards on one but at least you know it's a it's a mega like first name yeah. uh every kid knows knew Sean who Sean Kemp was in, in mid 90s he was such a dynamic uh exciting basketball player uh, you know the only other possibility I can I can think of is maybe Dominic Wilkins but he was a little bit too old at that point I think uh wow. like maybe his popularity was kind of waning so I think Scotty Pippen to me, I would have gone with the interesting choice. I think Grant Hill might have been like, you know, I don't know, maybe there's something there. He's like the young, uh, the new, like the hot star of the NBA at this time, I guess. It would have, but again, at the time that they were filming, I don't know. If, I guess, yeah, because even as a rookie, he was he was super popular. Again, that's what I was trying to figure out exactly when they started filming this. I, I want to be at least fair to the people that made the film. Like, did they know? these players were, were that good or that popular. Well, the obvious big miss here is at center. Like, how is Shaq not in this movie? <laughs> they, because they, he didn't play in New York and Patrick Ewing did. That's the only thing I can come up with. I, I guess, yeah. But Shaq is like, you know, um, arguably the second most popular basketball player in the world at this time. Uh, maybe the most popular if you consider guys who are just actually playing in the league at this time. Uh, but yeah, Shaq plus the personality and a guy who's actually been in movies. So I'm surprised they didn't they didn't go that route. But yeah, um, I mean, look for from a player to player perspective, uh, Shaq, much like Penny, was a just a commercial force uh, in 1995. He was yeah. arguably I don't want to say he was a more of a commercial force than Jordan, but he was he was in that conversation. Like he was the new kid coming up that. Uh, Every single um, company in the world couldn't just wanted him. They couldn't wait for to have him, you know, pitch their brand on TV. So yeah, I, I even though I get it because they they wanted to go to New York and film a game there, and they had to take a nick, and obviously you have to take Patrick Ewing. But man, that was that would have been so great. And and who in the entire NBA, uh, who who would you think would get the name Monstar? It would obviously be Shaq, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah, he would have taken that name from the movie, like, and that would have just been along with you know Shaq Diesel and all the things that we called him. He would have been all the monster. Um, but yes, so yes, that's what we've got. And and 
just to before we move on, um, I wanted more of the guys who had their talent stolen because they were hilarious as a group together. Uh, they're at the hospital. They're they're at therapy. Uh, Patrick Ewing is getting asked if he's able to perform in bed still. Uh, <laughs> yeah wow like wow really yeah that's a really interesting moment there yeah and uh the scene where they're all walking down the hallway and the mugsy and the doctor go unfazed while all the tall guys hit the top of the the doorway i mean that's that's classic filmmaking right there that's that's beautiful stuff now you can watch it and you can see that mugsy and the doctor are on a track where the guys are actually walking um but but still it's that's that's good stuff I, and i wish that the monsters themselves would have taken a little bit more of the players uh personalities and 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 enveloped that into their characters whereas they really just turn out to be gigantic monsters and like you don't really see anything that could be oh that's the thing that charles barkley does or oh Terry right. johnson does that kind of thing and i even would go so far as to say like it would have been cool if these guys would have actually voiced their their monsters counterparts. Yeah, I think that maybe that would have taken it a little bit too far because if look, voice acting is is a skill just like regular acting is. So right. I, I I get the idea that maybe some of these players you didn't want them to have want them to have a speaking role because they might not know how to act. Their voice might come off a little bit too wooden. Uh, so I I can kind of understand that, but yeah. It, Again, you and I being basketball fans in the 90s, I think there were quite a few missed opportunities here to really embrace, uh, you know, the NBA license from the mid 90s and really immerse everybody in in what the game was and what the fandom was uh, back in the day, rather than, um, you know, here's Michael, here's a vehicle for Michael Jordan, and we're going to cameo five NBA players, but we're really not going to um, dive into what type of players they were or what type of you know personalities they were this movie also serves as a reminder that charles barkley dated madonna uh oh yeah yeah so that's there's that uh all right uh, so now we'll, we'll move on um this is this is where things get really fun we are gonna head to a golf course and i'm not i'm not being totally linear i'm kind of moving around and talking about the things i really want to talk about uh, when it comes to this movie, but uh, we're going to head to the golf course with Michael Jordan, Bill Murray, and Larry Bird. <sighs> and Bill Murray, uh, Bill Murray's just acting his ass off in this movie. I'm telling you right now, he's yeah, saying he wants to, he wants, he's having fun. They didn't give Bill a script. They're saying, Bill, go out there and do whatever you want. And he's over there convinced, trying to convince Michael Jordan to, and Larry Bird to help lobby for him to get a spot into the league, I guess, as a scab player or, or, or what have you, but, uh, but well, yeah, it's not like the NBA players are on, on strike. They're just right. it, like, this isn't a labor thing. It's, it's, a uh, uh, players are suddenly becoming unable to play basketball. And he's saying, well, you know, there's maybe you think maybe this could open up a spot for me. And, you know, the audience is supposed to laugh with it. And he says, well, it's because I'm white, isn't it? <laughs> No, Larry's white. No, Larry's again. Clear. This is this is a joke. I could see maybe Bill, Bill Murray coming up with. To your point, like there's no way they would have written this into the script. Oh, Larry is clear. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, Larry's not white. Larry's clear. Oh, 
That is just hilarious. Yeah, Blair is like a country <laughs> redneck, though. Like, he's not, like, pale, pale. Like, he, he's not like he's a, a redhead that has to be hidden from the sun his whole life. Right. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you know, I that's the other thing is I almost felt like Larry Bird didn't have a script either. They were just like, Larry, just work yeah. off of whatever yeah. Bill and Michael are doing. And, and here's the thing. This movie could have done without Bill. Like, if you gave Bill Murray's lines to Larry Bird, I, it's, the, everything still makes sense to me. It's uh, strongly disagree. Like, I think everything in the movie still makes sense to me if you give Bill's lines to Larry Bird and let Larry Bird be, like, the, the cameo guy instead of Bill Murray. And I get it that Bill Murray's a professional actor. Everybody loves Bill Murray. Uh, you know he's not going to give a poor performance and Larry Bird is Larry Bird. I mean, he's obviously comfortable uh, talking. Like, but Larry Bird was a known trash talker his entire career. He's he's. But he, uh, on one hand, I get it. It's Bill Murray, and he's he's an actor, and you want to have that as like your secondary uh, cameo guy. But man, it, if you could have fit Larry Bird into some of these, I think this movie is way more way more cool. Uh, Twenty seven years later. Yeah, but then, you know, you're not going to get these great scenes like when Bill Murray shows up for the game and Danny DeVito's character goes, I didn't know Dan Aykroyd was in this picture. And, and you know, like Daffy's all, uh, you know, Bill, I'm yeah. just curious how you got here. And Bill's all, well, you know, uh, the producer's a friend of mine, so I just had the Teamsters drop me off. and Like, it's just hilarious stuff to me. I, I don't know. Bill, Bill Murray brings such another level to this movie. And that is why we're going to our second exercise now. Bill Murray should have won Best Supporting Actor for this role. You ready? You ready? Yeah, I'm stealing myself for this one. Go ahead. Here, here are the nominees uh, for this year's Best Supporting Actor. Uh, okay. Tim Roth was uh, nominated for Rob Roy. When was the last time you watched Rob Roy, Keith? Um, never. I'm familiar with Rob Roy. Uh I know the plot of Rob Roy. I don't think I've ever watched Rob Roy. James Cromwell is nominated for Babe. Yes, Babe. The Pig movie pulled in some Oscar noms that year for some reason. Uh, Ed Harris is nominated for Apollo 13. Totally get that. Yeah. Right in that role. We're not going to touch Ed Harris. No. I, I'm not going to. I have to be serious. I loved Apollo 13. Yes, it's a great, great movie. Brad, Brad Pitt is nominated for 12 Monkeys, which... You know, I haven't seen Twelve Monkeys in a very long time. Maybe I need to go back and rewatch it. I, I it's a cult movie. It really yeah. is. Like there are people that absolutely love it, live by it, and then there are people like me that watched it and like I don't, I don't get the appeal. This is this right. movie is, you know, lame. And this is coming from a guy in me who, like, I'm the guy who doesn't think that Fight Club's that great of a movie. Like, it's like I, it's cool and everything, but. We should it's be hurt, celebrating yeah. it the way that we do. I agree. Uh, and and then Kevin Spacey uh, won the Academy Award for uh, Usual Suspects, which... Yeah, great movie. Uh, it is a great movie, but are we just giving Kevin Spacey a, an Oscar for, like, the last two minutes of that movie where he's walking down? Like, he, Yeah, I mean, come on. Like, we're the stuff in the office, that's cool. The police station, rather. And then where he's walking down the street and his legs turn into normal people lay or not you know he's okay, not so he's not truly crippled but uh so i think we we got to take kevin spacey out because um it's problematic uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> say the least yeah uh tim roth has got to come out because rob roy 
nobody's seen that movie in years. And James Cromwell has to come out because Babe, it's freaking Babe. Like, why are we nominating? <laughs> Maybe I did I miss this movie? Did I miss like I? It's a movie about a talking pig, right? That's or is there another yeah. Babe movie that I that I'm not aware of? But but again, I'm I'm not aware of how critically acclaimed Babe was. I um, guess. So that's why you slot in Bill Murray for best supporting actor because. In, in in the few minutes that he's in this movie, which is probably cumulative five minutes, it's so unbelievably memorable that like you watch this movie again and you go like I can't wait till Bill Murray comes on screen and and I I can't wait till the end when Bill Murray's going to come in for a possession and like steal the entire movie and play such a large role in winning the game. Yeah, but to be honest, man, I when, when at the very end of this movie, when you see that there's they need a fifth player and they they have to find somebody and someone steps on the court, I was thinking, man, this is gonna be Larry Bird all the day. How cool would that be to have Larry Bird, you know, step in step onto the court for one one final possession and and then tell Michael Jordan, man, I don't I don't when Michael Jordan explains to him that they're on defense and he's he explains to him, oh I don't do defense um we're gonna let Michael. <laughs> this like how funny would that be to hear to hear from larry bird yeah like, that, I, that would be funny yeah as it, a mid-90s like how cool would that have been to have the you know the the last basketball playing moment of larry bird's career to be in space jam i think that would have to me i i would have probably given this movie an extra star if they had done that bill murray i i don't hate him in this movie he, everything that he does makes sense he tries to be funny sometimes it's flat sometimes it's actually funny uh but I'm sorry for this. When I'm watching Bill Murray through most of this movie, especially at the end, I'm thinking, man, it would have been better if it was Larry Bird. But that's the basketball fan in me from the 13 year old in 1990, 1995. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, no, I, if you really wanted to surprise everybody, it's Isaiah Thomas coming out to the court for the final possession <laughs> of the Space Jam. Touche, touche. Now that would be, there's your ratings. Um, all right, let's uh let's move on to the next thing here. We I have... see a Thomas <laughs> subbing in for the monsters. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Uh, let's talk about Lola Bunny. We have to do it. Uh, okay. I'm a I'm a young man at this point in time. Uh, things are awakening in me. In in you know I uh this is, I thought she was hot. All right, there there it is, and I thought that she spawned. Uh, years and years and years of um, sexy Halloween costumes where, you know, girls, women, I should say, dress up as Lola Bunny. And I love it. And and I'm, I'm here for it. Um, and, you know, with, with, with this, along with the uh, singing sensation um, group En Vogue, uh, this is where I really started to, like, get out of that whole cootie thing and i'm like they, they really abuse the uh Invo, like, <laughs> the tracks in this movie well, well no it's just for me and vogue was like the my first crush even before space jam like the entire group um the giving him something he can feel music video i was it was like the first time that i was like oh man i i am i am this cootie thing i don't know what you guys are talking about i'm attracted to the ladies and um and yeah, just and Lola was, you know, very sultry. Uh, yeah, the, the the 
over sexualization of yes it is Melkart weird cartoon characters well no if you look in the prism of you know the late you know the 80s and the 90s and like we it's only been recently that we've kind of gotten away from that or kind of pushed yeah. away from that but it, yes in, in in 1996 yeah, it makes perfect sense to have a a, a a very curvy female bunny with with short short with super short shorts yes. and for for bugs bunny to ogle over uh but i Here's my only note on that is that the fact that they, they're both let with the last name Bunny and they're obviously not like like I'm thinking like um Tiny Tunes. Um yeah. was, were Bugs and Babs like brother and sister? I thought they were. That was my understanding, yes. Bugs and Babs. Okay, so brother and like sister, yeah. for, for like this is obviously the first time Bugs has ever met Lola. So they're not related. So but they have the same last name and he's like drooling over her the entire like that extra line, like, couldn't they have just called her Lola? Do they? Why do they need like when they the second they announced her in the starting line of his Lola Bunny and then Bugs Bunny right after? I'm like, okay, this is like kind of this has now gotten kind of creepy. Uh, I yes, they could have just called her Lola. They didn't have to throw in the bunny part. Yeah, like, they didn't. It 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 didn't make any. Yeah, I, I, I had to re. I had to re. Kind of lazy. Just make, like, did they? really give lola the same last name as his bugs oh my god they did but is that a last name though i mean i does that I, really I count mean, as a if last you name? give someone two names like the second one's the last name i don't make the rules like they they know that um like Elmer Fudd, like is, is fun his last name yeah like the the, the the concept of last names is clearly established in the in the warner brothers looney tune world I appreciate uh, Lola in the sense that, like, you know, this team needed another talented basketball player because everybody else is just fooling around yeah. and doing Looney Tune tricks. And Lola comes in and she can she can ball like she can hoop. And um, and and they just didn't have anybody else on the team other than that. Michael and Lola uh, yeah, essentially I, played this team two on five. Yeah, I, I wrote down the starting five. And, yeah, it was kind of interesting. Again, this kind of makes sense because. Have you ever seen a Looney, a Warner Brothers uh, cartoon where basketball was the, the feature or the, or the point of, of the cartoon? I have. No. I, I was trying to rack my brain. Like, have I ever seen Bugs Bunny shoot a basketball when I was a kid? Like, did I ever see Don, uh, uh, Daffy Duck like throw a, a handle a basketball or, or throw a pass? Like, no. I've never. I don't recall ever seeing basketball in a Looney Tunes uh, cartoon. So yeah, it, it actually again makes perfect sense that none of these none of these characters, even though this is the game that they chose, like they could have picked anything and they chose basketball. So if they, don't, yes, it makes sense that they don't know how uh, to to properly play the game. But on the other hand, they got to choose the game. So why did they choose basketball if they've never played it before? Right. Uh, so yeah, for them to invent Lola, which I'm pretty sure she's a new, she was never in anything before, right? No, she's brand she's a brand so, new character. So inventing her as like the character that that plays basketball in her, her spare time, I thought was at least creative. Um, I I think like turning her into like a weird sex object was, you know, again in 1996 it was okay. Looking yeah. at it in, in, in today's prism, I'm like there would be a lot of complaining about that now. I think so too. Yeah, I I I think so. I think so as well. Um, now you mentioned um, real the quick. Yeah. Real quick before we get to your part, I, I wrote down the starting five. Yes, which um, is gonna is gonna link me to the next place I want to go. So you go okay, ahead. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna list the starting five real quick. Uh center, um 
I know they don't list him at center, but he's the only one that they don't announce a position for. So he had to have been the center was the Tasmanian devil, uh, who of course are all known for being very tall. Um, right. Uh, power forward, uh, specified power forward, Daffy Duck, which again, I, I, we all know who Daffy Duck is. He's a scrawny, <laughs> why, why, why would they make him a power forward? Um, Lola Bunny at the three, uh, Bugs Bunny running point, and then of course Michael Jordan at his natural two guard position. Yeah, that that all makes sense. Uh, there it is makes no sense to me at all, but yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, it's it, I I I guess I would probably put Bugs at center, wouldn't you? Uh, being well, I mean, as... like um. What's the 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 uh, the rooster's name? Was it Foghorn? Yeah, Foghorn Leghorn. Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah, like he's the only like hokish um, uh, Looney Tune character that I can recall at least the mainstream. Like, what would I would have put him at center uh, or power forward uh, and like remove the Tasmanian Devil down to the four? At least you would have like a a lineup that kind of would have made sense. Like Bugs Bunny being a point, like Jordan has to play the two. So that spot's taken. You can't play him at point because then it makes no sense because that wasn't his position. Uh, And, you know, the glamour quote unquote glamour position is the, would be the point guard next to him. So yeah, I think Bugs Bunny at point kind of makes sense. I'm thinking like Daffy Duck, I guess, because he's the second most recognizable uh, Warner brothers uh, character. They had to put him in somewhere. I don't know. Like Daffy Duck at Power Forward is kind of silly to me. But this again, this is a it's a movie about cartoon basketball players. I can't right. take it seriously. Well, I'm glad you you uh left off on Daffy because I'm gonna segue us into Daffy here because this dude is throwing one hundred miles per hour this entire movie. I love him way more than I love Bugs or anybody else in this movie. Um I mean, let's go to the lineup scene real quick because I laughed hysterically at this today. the Quexter of the courts, Daffy Duck. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Very funny. Let's all laugh at the duck. And the-, <laughs> the crowd just goes completely quiet. It's just... It, it's I did terrifying. laugh at that, yeah. But this, this at halftime... It's like a 15 second scene. Um, but this this is like this is where I was like, man, Daffy's the MVP of all the Looney Tunes. Here we go. Know it down. Oh yeah, let's hear the story. But I've been in this situation many times before. Oh, this is a we can still work. win this thing. It's not over with. We gotta come together. Oh, we gotta yeah. believe in ourselves. We can come back and win this game. Yeah, right. That's gonna help us. <laughs> it's just I don't know. That's just good comedy to me. He's just in the background. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Oh, I'm sure that's gonna. Oh yeah. This that's yeah, the, whole, be... the entire <laughs> halftime sequence, which the Looney Tune, but they get killed in the first half. I think the final, the the, the halftime score is what like sixty two to fourteen or something. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um. And yeah, the, the halftime. You know, here comes the cliche. Uh, halftime. Uh, motivational scene where we turn it all around and it is just loaded with eye rolling like are you doing this on purpose just to annoy everybody that this is like the typical sports movie cliche uh, uh completely unoriginal but yeah it was yeah michael jordan's giving this this dumb halftime speech which you know every 70 year old has heard you know like nothing nothing but platitudes and uh, daffy duck's actually calling him on it which is actually kind of funny like you said <laughs> 
uh, and then uh, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say that, um, you know, it, it, uh, never mind. What were you, what were you going to say? I, I, I can, I, I think well, they, 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 they pass out the, the Michael Jordan secret. What do they call them? Secret. Michael's Mike's Michael, Michael's secret, secret stuff. stuff. It's, it's yeah. Water. Like the water bottle that, you know, they, they think is all full of steroids, which is a joke in itself to me, but like, yeah, they think that, okay, this is like this, this, this is the stuff that allows Michael to be, great at basketball and you know we're gonna this is gonna make us as good as the monsters and then they go out and they play better and then the the joke is that oh it was just water you know the talent was inside you all along and at that point i'm just i I didn't even want to watch the last five minutes of this movie i just wanted to turn it off it was just like my eyes were rolling in the back of my head i couldn't even see the movie anymore but even in that moment daffy has another great line where he's he's michael's telling daffy yeah it's just water the the stuff the special stuff's been in you guys the whole time and Daffy's like, well, yeah, I I knew that, but do you have any more of that my, that stuff? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I, I I don't know. That that's that's really funny to me. Um, Wired magazine, Wired.com, uh, did a compiling of the box score for this for this movie. Um, and I think we should go over it as our as our final exercise on this episode. So oh, please, I love this idea. Let's let's see it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so the game ends. Uh, uh, what was the final? Sixty-seven to sixty-six, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that. Something like that. Yep. Uh, okay. So he, they went through the whole game and they tallied everything up, and this is what they came up with. Okay. So Michael Jordan went twenty-two for twenty-two. Uh, does not miss a shot. Doesn't miss a shot. He does turn the ball over twice, but ends the game uh, with forty-four points. I oh I see I, that's low to me. I thought he he scored. It felt like he scored all but like two or three baskets in that game. I think Lola scored. I remember Lola scoring one, and then Newman comes in and scores one by accident. But I thought Jordan had at least sixty. No, forty four. Uh, okay. Bug. They say Bugs Bunny had uh, ten points and three assists. I don't recall him doing anything. I don't either. How did uh, look? I'm, I'm sure that's true, and I'm sure, but like. Wow, he is like the quintessential uh, role player where he just comes in and efficiently scores ten points, and you don't even you're like <laughs> this guy doesn't even do anything on the court. And then you look at the box score, and he has he has ten points and three assists. Like, what? When did this happen? <laughs> He's the Dion Waiters of the of uh, the Toon Squad. Uh, Lola Most Bunny, <laughs> Lola Bunny finishes with eight points. Um, yeah, no she, other. No she other was the only. Yeah, like you said, she was the only other she was the only other uh, player on Jordan's team other than Jordan that was noticeable uh, and that did something. So yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. Daffy uh, finishes with four points and a steal, uh, a huge <laughs> steal, gigantic steal, like the uh, you know the game changing steal. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I think we're wrong. <laughs> that uh, the Tasmanian Devil finishes with four points. So every uh, every every player scored. Uh, well, not everybody. Sylvester and Wiley Coyote. Uh, I mean, every they, starter scored. I'm sorry. Yeah, every starter, every every yeah. starter scored. Um, off the bench, uh, they got con- contributions from Porky Pig, Elmer Fudd, uh, Pepe Le Pew, and Stan Podolak. Uh, each one of those guys scored two points each. Um, okay, I do remember Pepe coming in off the bench and, and, and getting a bucket. And he, he, 
yeah, there's clearly no rules in this game. There's there's absolutely no rules whatsoever yeah. in terms of violations or fouling or anything. So I'm, that that was my only note. I'm like, why would you not start Elmer Fudd? The man's got a shotgun. Uh, he can actually you know compete in this game. And the one, <laughs> the one point he does score, like he flies to the rim and, and has a beautiful looking dunk. Yeah, like, maybe because there's chemistry problems between him and Bugs, maybe. But I thought that could have, you know, maybe you could have played that for laughs. But, you know, clearly Elmer Foot has more, you know, potential, I think, than than Daffy Duck in the starting lineup. Uh, the interesting uh, line item here is uh, Bill Murray. Um, you know, he comes into the game and you would think that he has this big you would think he would put up anything. He has zero stats. He didn't do an assist. He he. he well, he only came in nothing. for one play, right? Yeah, he came in for one play, and he yeah, passed the so ball, but sense. he passed it to somebody else who then passed it to Jordan. So um, I, you would have thought he would at least would have gotten an uh, assist, um, but no, he doesn't. Um, so at the end of the game, uh, it's 78-77. That's the the final. Uh, the the, the, the uh, excuse me, the Looney Tunes, Went 39 for 39 from the field, uh, had three assists, one steal, and turned the ball over 15 times. And, this is uh, NBA it's, Jam. This was basically NBA yeah. Jam. This entire game was NBA Jam. Uh, nobody ever misses. The only way you play defense is by, by fouling, and that's essentially what this game was. Right. Nobody misses a shot, uh, <laughs> but there, there's just turnover, you know, Dozens and dozens of turnovers because people are just getting you know physically assaulted <laughs> to get and they're losing the ball. So you either get a shot off or or someone hits you or shoots you or or barbecues you um, with a laser gun. Um, and there's just the three point line does not exist in this in this movie. It's just no. everything is layups and dunks. Um, yeah, as you said, the, the on the very last play of the game, Michael Jordan tries to dunk from half court and he gets tackled and he just stretches his arms out, his right arm out like a cartoon character and dunks the ball from half court. And all I'm thinking is, man, if Steph Curry was in this game, this would be so much less dramatic because he would have just shot it. <laughs> he wouldn't have needed to stretch his arm out. He just would have shot it from half court and he would have made it. The, and he would have gotten an extra point out of it. The Monstars, uh, box score is is a little more interesting i think because really right because the the scoring volume really only comes from two players uh pound and bupkis that's barkley and hewing barkley's guy puts up 37 and hewing's guy puts up 34 bradley's guy doesn't score at all and mugsy boats that's my only commentary on that. <laughs> Actually, not, even worse than that, Sean Bradley's character named Blanco does nothing. He does, no rebounds, no assists, no block shots, nothing. Or Sean Bradley, man, doesn't even turn the ball over. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, uh Bogues' character doesn't score any points, but at least he chips in six steal or six assists and four steals. And then Larry Johnson's guy has uh, six points and two steals. Okay, that is. Um, I wonder if they did that on purpose. Like, did, here's the thing, though. Watching that movie, this is it really clear. Like, which, like as you said, they're all just generic, uh, oversized. They look all. They all look like o- oversized football players. Like, there's nothing that really distinguishes 
really physically like who's supposed to be which NBA player. Right. So yeah, I, I'm wondering, was that done on purpose to make Ewing and Barkley, you know, the real stars of the team when you, you can't really tell which uh, villain is supposed to be which NBA player? Well, I think you could sort of tell because, you know, the at least the guy who's supposed to play Barkley is bald and then the other guy has oh, like, right. a, has has a, like a high, yeah, he's got a high top fade. Um, real quick, before we move on to the to the final two little things here, what do you think Jordan's usage rate in this game was? Oh, it had to be insane. Like, I don't know, 60? 44%. You're 60? Okay. Yeah. 44% is what they said. Just, yeah, he because he was touching the ball. And, and look, um, if, if you're on a team with uh, Bugs Bunny, uh, Lola Bunny, Daffy Duck, and Tasmanian Devil, and, and, and like Foghorn Leg Iron, like you, you have Michael Jordan, of course he's going to, the ball, every possession is going to go through Michael Jordan. Like, we don't even need to card the other four guys. Uh, well, okay, one last thing. This is right up Key Sally. Uh, okay. The article deems that the Monstars actually had the higher offensive efficiency. Uh, they scored 154 points per 100 possessions. And I don't understand, but they don't. They lost the game. Though, yeah, but they so lost they, the game. And that, it, could, even, it even notes okay, that. that. It said it's, it's impossible. Like, the Monstars yeah. should have won the game. So that doesn't make any sense to me, though, because they they lost. They scored fewer. Like we're we're, we're just doing the math in a one game situation, right? So how could one team possibly be more efficient offensively than the other team lose? I don't understand. Well, maybe before... because maybe because the Looney Tunes had one extra possession because they start. I think didn't they start the game from the opening tip? Yes, they had the uh, so they the so they had one extra possession on the Monstars, so maybe that's why. This is this is their the I'll read I'll read the whole blurb here. Uh, okay. Says the the Toon Squad scored 132 points per 100 possessions. The Monstars scored 154. That's obviously impossible since the team with the higher offensive efficiency. Okay, is so it's pretty off. much by definition the team that wins the game. The issue mm-hmm. is selection bias. We see more successful Monstars possessions in the movie. The other issue is that the movie doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically they're... Yeah, so obviously we don't see the entire game. We don't see every single possession in the game. So that that does kind of make more sense. But in doing so, I don't think... You can't chart efficiency if you don't have every single plate uh, you know, recorded. So I, I think the joke is kind of on them for... for coming up with the offensive efficiency here now are you a are you a sneaker guy at all uh i was at the at the time of this movie i was um i wasn't i've never been a sneakerhead i've never been someone that's collected sneakers just to collect them i i i've gotten like the good sneakers um but i've always done those with the idea of you know i'm gonna wear these i'm gonna go out on the court i'm gonna actually wear these i know ne- i've never bought it purchased a sneaker in my life with the intention of you know collecting it or, or flipping it with somebody else i i'm not that level of uh, uh fan of sneakers well there are uh several jo- there's there's at least three pairs of jordans featured this uh bill mary's wearing the jordan twos uh, right. they, they go and when, um, Daffy and bugs go to the Michael's house to steal, uh, his, his basketball gear, he, they steal him in air Jordan nines. Uh, but, but really the shoes that, well, also you get the, you get, um, 
Larry Johnson in the Converse, uh, the Converse Arrow Jams that he was, you know, that's the grandmama shoe. I did notice because I had a pair of those. Oh, you had the you had the air. Oh, I I would love. I that. had the LJs, yeah. Uh, there's also the Barclays. Uh, Barclays wearing his shoes. Um, the uh, Air Max CB 34s, uh, and then, but the shoe that I really want to talk about, it, the most important shoe I think ever, is the Jordan 11s that Jordan wears during the actual game. Uh, I personally, and and I'm I'm somewhat of a medium sneakerhead. I wouldn't say that I'm I'm not James Edwards, like yeah. Well, nobody is James Edwards. The so interesting I, thing I, is, I was messaging with James the other day, and my wife and we were talking about shoes, and I was I was saying like I want to buy these this certain pair of shoes, and my wife said, "Who are you talking to?" And I said, "Oh, it's my sneaker consigliere," because that's <laughs> if I have any questions, James or or Morgan Cannon from Pride of Detroit, those are the two guys that I'm searching out because those are my sneaker guys. Um, but yes, I have a pair of Jordan Elevens. They are incredibly comfortable, and I think they're the most iconic Jordan shoe yeah. there is, other than those the first. Are the, the, those are the '96 ones, right? The ninety-five, yeah. yeah, the ones that, yeah, I had, I, I own two pairs of Jordans in my life. I own those, and I own the one where he came back uh, with the Wizards, and it was like the, um, they, they looked a lot cooler than they were, were practical. Um, yeah. they were the the, the uh, they were kind of like a beige gold uh, color, uh, and there was like a strap that went over the, went actually around the shoe. If you know what I'm talking it's, about, it's like a full strap that goes over the laces. Yes, that goes. Yes. Yeah, it goes yeah. underneath. Yeah, goes from underneath and then over the laces. Yeah, yeah. Those are the only two pairs of Jordans that I own. I actually, I, I thought those other ones looked really cool, but you know, playing them on, actually playing with them all, like, why am I putting a strap over a pair of sneakers? Like, this yeah, makes it doesn't those, make any sense. And 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 without the strap, it they look kind of ugly. So it was like. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of regret this purchase, but other than those two Jordans, I owned the uh, Larry Johnsons, the LJs, um, like you said, and I owned a pair of the uh, Grant Hill uh, Fila second generations. Yes, I had the. I definitely had the Grant Hill Fila's as well. The, the second one, not the. I thought the first one looked dumb. I'm sorry, Grant. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! That's a friend of the show. There, friend of the show, Grant Hill, who's on the Knuckleheads Pod this week, by the way. Uh, if you guys want to listen to something when, after you're done with this, uh, but I yes, I have the Jordan Elevens. Never worn them. They're still in the box. I, I put them on around the house occasionally. I'm so afraid to wear them outside of the house because they're they're the that's like the one shoe that I, I had to have in my life. What's the street uh, value on that these days? I it's probably in in pristine condition. I in the the three hundreds, four hundreds, I would think. Uh that's me just uh saying things. I, I'm not hundred percent sure. Um I guess we could just look that up. Jordan eleven. First thing that comes up is from Fight Flight Club is uh two hundred and fifty three dollars. Oh, okay. So they, it's not like it's inflated that much in, in value. Actually, I shoot, what did they sell for at the time? Wasn't it around two fifty? So uh, yeah, I, I think so. I did I got them much later in life, so I'm not sure what I got them in my in my early thirties. Uh, but I, so I'm not sure what what they priced out for at that time. I know if you want a pair of Jordans now, you're you're going to spend a pretty penny. But I think you know the 11s keep getting re-released, so that's probably why they're on the lower end because you could just go to Nike right now, Nike.com, and buy a pair of Jordan 11s, no problem. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, and there's no no one differentiates between the originals and a and a remake. Right. Okay. 
All right, uh, I, I kind of get that now. So, uh, I one last thing I want to touch on, and then we are we are gonna uh, go ahead and, and move uh, uh, leave this episode where it is, and uh, it's the okay. it's the unreal, unreal Space Jam soundtrack, which I think may be one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. On this soundtrack, you have uh, Fly Like an Eagle, covered by Seal. Um, you've got the Space Jam song by the Quad City DJs, which is a, is, is a, a jam. Um, you got D'Angelo on this record. You've got Monica on this record, Salt and Pepper. Uh, you've got Basketball Jones, a song by Barry White and Chris Rock. This was basically Jack Jams. Like, yes. there's... <laughs> This was Jack Jams '96. I have no idea what if Jack Jams '96 was, but this is what I would imagine Jack Jams '96 uh, their lineup would be. Uh, uh, Casey and JoJo's "That's the Way I Like It" is covered by Spin Doctors and Biz Marquee. What a what a motley crew that is to to get together to to cover Casey and Sun, the Sunshine song. Uh, but then there's this jam right here. Greeting Earthlings, we have now taken over your radio. On that note, oh, Keith, I think, I think we should, I think we should just, hey, Coolio, I think we should just go ahead and play out the podcast and end it, end it with this song right here. Uh, next week, we will be back with another redraft. We're doing the 1999 NBA draft with Ricky O'Donnell and you need this Whoops, and I clicked off the thing and with Ricky O'Donnell from SB Nation uh a Chicago Bulls fan and uh guy who has covered the Bulls himself uh really looking forward to to hearing who he is going to select with that number 1 overall pick um and uh yeah I I doubt it's going to be the guy who was originally selected or maybe yeah. it will be I don't know I, I, you and I kind of had this conversation the other day. I don't know if it's going to be Elton Brand. Maybe there's a case that it will be, but I don't know. It could be Manu Ginobili. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I was kind of thinking this could be the first time we get a second rounder, an original second rounder drafted number one. But then I remembered that you picked Dennis Rodman number one in 1986, correct? You're damn right, I did. Okay. So this would not be the first time a second rounder went number one overall in a redraft no but uh with that we will see you guys next week thank you for listening to the space jam episode i hope everybody had fun i know i did uh and i know keith is looking forward to rewatching this movie again uh yes we will we see are not you. doing i i am not watching the remake at least yeah, no. give me a yes. to recover yes let me just say that right out here in front we will never cover Space Jam 2 starring LeBron James. It will never have. I still haven't even seen it. I don't have any interest in seeing it. Any friend that I have who has seen it has told me how much that it sucks and how much it's really just a Warner Brothers, uh, you know, just just showing all their products off. But what about, how about Thunderstruck? Oh, geez. 
What about like Mike with Bow Wow? Oh no. Okay. Yeah. All right. We. Yeah. We we can stop here. Can we can we also say that we'll never cover Juana Man? So don't ask. I don't. I can't. I mean, we could say that, but I can't imagine anyone will actually ask us. Okay. To good. Cover that Man. movie is so unbelievably offensive. <laughs> yeah, I've not seen it, but yes, the the I know the plot, and yes. I think yeah. It, it, it surprised me if that movie offended a lot of people. Yes. Well, on that note, we'll see you guys next week with the 1999 NBA redraft with Ricky O'Donnell.